0: It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. What do we have on top? Well, only way to find that out, you have to tune in. You have to grab your ticket, get on board, put your seatbelt on. Most importantly, enjoy the ride. That's right. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. And we are getting ready to get this train on the track. So let's get rolling.
1: It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Grab your tickets, get on board, and enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. All aboard!
0: Sports Talk Podcast, Friday, noon, and we're coming up on college football season, which means chances are I will be doing college football preview. matter of fact, let's just say I will be doing college football previews of the major conference also going to be looking at some HBCU football and some powerful people. As a matter of fact, just to get your appetite wet for some college football, how about I start with this. The HBCU football's top 10 most powerful Head coaches ranking the top 10 HBCU head football coaches in the SWAC, MEAC, CIAA, SIAC, and the OBC. So, yes, you could tell that we are up on the college football season, the dawn of a new day, the dawn of a new season. Like I said, I will be doing your uh mainstream schools but i want to give you what you rarely get even on podcasts unless you're in hbcu country where they play hbcu football chances are you probably will not get it from nowhere near these parts of where i'm from where am i at i am here in the air capital city the 316 the dub k the ict they got so many names I just simply refer to it as Wichita, Kansas. Yep, that's right. This is your boy and your favorite host and conductor, the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, Anthony Smith. So glad to be with you on a Friday afternoon. Ranking HBCU head football coaches isn't easy, especially when it comes to ordering the top 10 coaches in the SWAC, me at CIWA SIAC, and the OVC. If you polled HBCU fans, media, and personalities for their opinions on who are the top five most powerful HBCU football coaches in 22 on Twitter and Facebook, then it's expanded to top 10 coaches. So let's just take a look at who some of these powerful coaches are. Interestingly, many put aside the HBCU rivalries and logically gave input on the subject. Initially, a few were timid, but the rankings started to roll in. So, who might these coaches be? Because you have to look at previous year's winning percentages, conference rankings, conference strength, 2021 recruiting impact, coaching staff media, Social media and fan base influence to determine the top coaches. Points values of zero to five. Five of the best were assigned to each coach per category. New head coaches to the SWAC, Hugh Jackson, Grambling State, Eddie Robinson Jr., Alabama State, received a pass for 2021 didn't give them any extra weight in the wins, loss column for their NFL experience. It's subjective, but felt the new coaches deserved a sort of equity to their already standing colleagues. So let's go ahead and just dive into this list. Whoa, if I can just pull up my feed, I'd be all right. So we know for a fact that most definitely Deion Sanders is going to be on that list. That's a no-brainer, okay? So we're having some technical glitches here. So here are the rankings right now. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to start with number 10 and work my way up to number 1. Number 10 would be Dawson Odoms, Norfolk State. Number 9, Gabe Giardina, Albany State. Number 8 would be Quentin Morgan, Langston University. Number 7, Fred McNair, Alcorn State. Number 6, Damon Wilson, Morgan State. He was at Bowie State in 2021. Number five, Hugh Jackson, Grambling State. Number four, Eric Dooley, Southern University, previously at Prairie View in 2021. Number three, Willie Simmons, Florida A&M. Number four, Buddy Pugh, South Carolina State. And coming in at number one, the most obvious and the most influential. You may as well say he's the face of HBCU. Dion. Sanders. There were some honorable mentions. Trey Oliver, NCCU, Cornell Maynard, Alabama A&M University, Eddie George, Tennessee State, Eddie Robinson Jr., Alabama State, Reginald Ruffin, Let's keep it. So let's just really just dive off into this like right now and get you some info on these powerful coaches. The rankings of one to four are straightforward. Deion Sanders' mega influence recruiting efforts to land Travis Hunter and others and critical coaching staff changes place him at the number one. Buddy Pugh's length of service being the 2021 HBCU champions and having the Kobe Durant drafted by the Los Angeles Rams as the Bulldogs leader at number two. Willie Simmons, FCS playoff run, the return of Buck Buchanan award finalist Isaiah Land, and the outstanding support of the FAMU faithful have the Rattlers head coach position at number three. Eric Dooley at number four keeps making noise by hijacking recruits and coaches to Southern University. The wise old ball coach would like nothing better than an opportunity to see Jackson State in Mumford Stadium for the 2022 SWAC Championship this fall. Number five and number six were a coin toss, but the edge was given to Hugh Jackson for two reasons over DeMond Wilson a head start on recruiting and his NFL experience. If Wilson remained at Bowie State, he would have been in sole possession of number five, but his late transition to Morgan State has him slightly behind Jackson and Gramley. Notes to watch. Notes and nuggets. Watch out, Fred McNair, Alcorn State, Bubba McDowell, Prairie View, Trey Oliver, NCCU, and Coach Dancy, Mississippi Valley, may ruin some Rivals Conference Championship runs this season. In other HBCU-related news, primed Deion Sanders, Jackson State, set to seize more power In college football. The question is: can Deion Sanders continue to wield his power of influence and seize more of a stake in college football in 2022? HBCU football has been under the prime influence of Deion Sanders. The Jackson State football head, the Jackson State football head coach has elevated all HBCU sports teams and institutions from mediocrity to relevance since his arrival in November 2020. Chatter quickly evolved from the Neon Dion sideshow into the prime effect, where the mainstream sports topics centered around his bold commentary and impressive winning at Jackson State. It's been nearly 30 years since Sports Illustrated has featured an HBCU athlete on its magazine cover. Alcorn State's late and great Steve McNair's Hand him the Heisman photo graced the September 26, 1994 issue of Sports Illustrated. Yet no one else from an HBCU, not until Deion Sanders. Today, Sanders, today Deion Sanders, his son and quarterback Shadow Sanders, and star recruit Travis Hunter are prominently showcased by his longtime friend Jane Jacquez Taylor in S.I. Coach Deion Sanders and his program is becoming. A legitimate force on the college football landscape. If you're unsure, ask Nick Saban. Ooh, Nick Saban, huh? Ask Nick Saban. Right. FBS coaches feel Coach Prime's influence. On May 19th, the 8th time National Championship head coach made unfounded statements about Jackson State's recruitment to Travis Hunter. He told a group of Alabama businessmen that the institution lured Hunter to the HBCU with a $1 million NIL deal. The claim is baseless, but it speaks to the relevancy of Coach Prime's abilities to attract and recruit five-star prospects. The undertone message is simple. The rank and file Of FBS, coaches are worried that more defections to HBCUs are looming. They are correct. Travis Hunter is the key. Coach Sanders has wisely paired the freshman phenom with literally his own phenom, Shadur Sanders. The two players have been partners in crime from Hunter's early interest at Jackson State. The 2021 Jerry Rice award-winning quarterback has taken Hunter under his wings. We have seen them in Coach Prime's office during private workouts, on private airplanes, and even at corporate events. The chemistry is noticeable for Coach Sanders' seemingly inseparable star players. Under is under is a difference maker. Saban and his cronies were right to throw a fit about losing under. At the Jackson State spring game, the freshman astounded the JSU faithful and millions of ESPN viewers with touchdowns and tremendous defensive plays. Hunter is the real deal. Flipping Travis Hunter could become the primary reason that recruiting in college football will never be the same for Power Fives and HBCUs. Should Deion Sanders field another winning team and a Celebration Bowl championship or FCS playoff berth, FBS coaches' concerns will amplify during next season's recruiting cycle. Nevertheless, Hunter is one of those rare players that strikes once in a lifetime for a program. Will the Sanders Hunter connection be primed to propel Jack the Jackson State program to new level twenty twenty two? No one knows, but rest assured, Deion Sanders has shaken and rattled the current foundation of HBCU and NCAA football. Will his power continue to grow, or will it soon plateau? We shall. See, so tell you what I'm going to do right now. Right about now, I am going to go ahead and take my first break, and when I come back, I will have more for you. So stay seated. The train is just now building up ahead of steam. This is your favorite host and conductor, Anthony Smith. I will be right back. podcast your podcast for sports and so much more thank you for listening to the a train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith if you would like to have your ad or sponsor a segment on here simply reach out to me at 316-553-2010 or you can simply email me that's a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com that's a.trainsportstalk train sports at gmail.com once again it's a train sports talk podcast your host and conductor anthony smith
1: train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith grab your tickets get on board and enjoy the ride it's the a train sports talk podcast all aboard
0: train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith may i add your favorite host and conductor the train that you love riding on the train that goes up and down the track around the corner taking you places taking you on a journey never knowing where the journey is going to take you but at the end of the day when you get off the train you say i enjoyed the ride So, I'm Ashley, going to get back into some HBCU news. First, what I want to do is I want to do the Brittany Griner thing because I will steady keep the updates coming as I get them. And right now, the way things are looking, nothing is concrete because of the secrecy of it based on the report here, but Russia wants Brittany Griner Prisoner Swap Negotiations Done Quietly. Moscow Kremlin warned Thursday that a possible prisoner swap with the United States involving American basketball star Brittany Griner needs to be negotiated quietly without fanfare. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said Wednesday that Washington had offered Russia a deal that would bring home Griner and another jailed American, Paul Whelan. A person familiar with the matter said the U.S. government proposed trading convicted Russian arms dealer Victor Bout for Whelan and Griner. Asked about the U.S. offer, Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov replied that prisoner swaps were typically negotiated discreetly behind the scenes. We know that such issues are discussed without any such release of information, Peskov told reporters during a conference call. Normally, the public learns about it when the agreements are already implemented. He emphasized that no agreements have been finalized and refused to provide further details. In a separate statement, Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Maria Zakharova said that Russian and U.S. officials have conducted negotiations about possible prisoner exchanges, and there has been no concrete result yet. We proceed from the assumption that interests of both parties should be taken into account during the negotiations, Zakharova said. Blinken's comments marked the first time the U.S. government publicly revealed any concrete action it has taken to secure Grinder's release. Two-time Olympic gold medalist and player for the WNBA's Phoenix Mercury was arrested at a Moscow airport in mid-February when inspectors found vape cartridges containing cannabis oil in her luggage. In a sharp reversal of previous policy, Blinken said he expects to speak with Russian Foreign Ministry Sergei Lavrov to discuss the proposed prisoner deal and other matters. It would be their first phone call since Russia sent its troops into Ukraine. Russia has for years expressed interest in the release of about a Russian arms dealer once labeled the merchant of death. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison in 2012 on charges that he schemed to illegally sell millions of dollars in weapons. Greiner's trial on drug charges started in a court outside Moscow this month. And she testified Wednesday that she didn't know how the cartridges ended up in her bag, but that she had a doctor's recommendation to use cannabis to treat career-related pain. The 31-year-old has pleaded guilty, but she said, but says she had no criminal intent in bringing the cartridges to Russia, and packed in haste for her return to play in a Russian basketball league during the WNBA's offseason. She faces up to 10 years in prison if convicted of transporting drugs. On Wednesday, Griner testified that an interpreter translated only a fraction of what was being said while she was detained at Moscow's airport. The officials told her to sign documents, but no one explained any of, the, of it to me. Griner also said that besides the poor translation, she received no explanation of her rights to access to a lawyer during the initial hours of her detention. She says she used a translation app on her phone to communicate with a customs officer. Her arrest came at a time of heightened tensions between Moscow and Washington ahead of Russia sending troops into Ukraine on February 24th. Brandon's five months of detention has raised strong criticism among teammates and supporters in the United States, which has formally declared her to be wrongfully detained. designation sharply rejected by Russian officials so as we get detailed on this I will definitely update you on the happenings of Brittany Griner and her possible release as I was saying I was going to get back into some uh, more HBCU news which I am definitely going to do that Because apparently, ESPN is still not making the best of friends when it comes to HBCU sporting events. So, Deion Sanders and Willie Simmons blast ESPN on ESPN's lack of awareness about featuring important HBCU sporting events is being scrutinized once again. ESPN's lack of awareness regarding how it features important HBCU sporting events is being scrutinized once again. This time by head football coaches Deion Sanders and Willie Simmons. Network decided to broadcast the Orange Blossom Classic featuring Jackson State before the A&M on ESPN2 and not ESPN's national coverage. Instead, the highly contentious outing between two swag favorites is set for ESPN2 coverage. 3 p.m. Eastern on September the 4th. According to Showbuzz Daily, last season's contest drew a .42 household rating on ESPN2, and nearly 36,000 spectators watched at Hard Hard Rock Stadium. The game's attraction surrounds two legendary football programs with equally great coaches, teams, and players starting off the new season. Coaches Deion Sanders and Willie Simmons were not pleased with the low-level broadcast announced by ESPN. Is the network tone deaf to HBCUs and are more focused on Power 5 programming? Coach Deion Sanders wrote on social media, ESPN, please check ratings from a year ago and see how we compare it to Power 5's plan on the same darn day. ESPN, you're better than that and much smarter than that. Check the ratings, please. Deion Sanders and I are in agreement that the Orange Blossom Classic on September the 4th should be nationally televised on ESPN. The reigning Buck Buchanan Award winner, the Land, and the reigning at Jerry Rice Award winner, Shadiro Sanders, are going head-to-head. Last year's game was decided by one point, Woody Simmons posted, supporting Sanders. Last season's OBC had Coach Prime's Tigers defeating the Rattlers 7-6 in a defensive battle. Also consider this fact. Jackson State swept the swag and played in the 2021 celebration vote. One game away from an HBCU National Championship, Coach Simmons' FAMU team earned a trip to the 2021 FCS playoffs. Both teams have supportive fan bases that travel well and tune in to live broadcasts. For a very ratings-conscious network, why would they choose to feature the SWAC MIAC challenge in week zero, with Alabama State versus Howard on ESPN, rather than the Orange Blossom Classic between more well-known brands of JSU and FAMU? No one knows for sure, but my best guess is that Sanders and Simmons aren't through voicing their discontent about this matter. Will it affect a change? We shall see. So, I want y'all to weigh in. Could this game actually be on the ESPN as opposed to ESPN2 or any other lower tier ESPN that they may have been thinking about? When you think about it, the game that they are going to be, as they call it, Week Zero, who's actually in tune to Alabama State versus Howard University? Not that I'm trying to knock on them or anything, but... From a notoriety standpoint, from well known and with all the narratives that have been laid out, which game are you most likely to watch? Alabama State versus Howard on ESPN or JSU versus FAMU on ESPN2? For my money, I'm probably more in tune to, and this is no disrespect to Alabama State nor Howard University, but chances are. I'm going to tune in to JSU and FAMU just because of the coaches in play, the players on each team, and based on how the game turned out last year, based on the success of each team from last year, whereas Jackson State was playing in the HBCU National Championship game, whereas FAMU was playing in the FCS playoff game. I mean, the resume is right there. So I'm with both Coach Simmons and Sanders saying, come on, ESPN, you got to make this right. You got to make it right. If you don't make this right, then I have to ask the question with the game that you have on, is this ESPN's way of trying to bury HBCU brand? Is this their way of trying to muzzle Dion Sanders? And now Willie Simmons. Because for the longest, the only voice you heard was Dion Sanders. Now you have Dion and Coach Willie Simmons. Who's going to be next? Whose voice is going to be heard next? ESPN, as you can see, the more you try to quiet them, the louder they get. So, on that note, I'll say ESPN, this is your one chance to get it right. The ball is in your court. What are you going to do? Tell you what I'm going to do, though. I am going to take another break. Hope you are enjoying your Friday afternoon. When I come back, whichever way, whatever direction the train takes us, just the direction we shall go. This is your favorite host and conductor of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, your favorite Anthony Smith. Oh, oh, oh.
1: It's the A Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor Anthony Smith. Grab your tickets, get on board and enjoy the ride. It's the A Train Sports Talk podcast. All aboard.
0: The A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith, your favorite host and conductor. Picking up passengers along the way. And I actually have a passenger on train, and I'm I'm thankful that he's trustworthy to trust me with his life in my hand behind the wheel of a locomotive going down a track. <laughs> young man I'm talking about plays baseball by the name of Michael Flyer, a 2020 graduate of Cumberland High School in Illinois, currently attending Spoon River College in the fall and playing for the Park City Rangers. Yeah, that's like right here in my neighborhood. So all the way from Illinois to Kansas, playing summer league baseball for the Park City Rangers as part of the Kansas Collegiate League Baseball. Welcome aboard the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, my guest, Michael Flyer. <laughs> Mike, how you doing? Good, good, good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Man, I'm, I'm glad to have you on here. Uh, uh, this is the narrative here. We met a few weeks ago. I'm actually a part-time security officer. I patrolled around and look like I'm working and Happen to catch him and his crew coming out of a place called Firebirds. Yes, I can say restaurant names because I'm not affiliated with a radio station. So somebody just got some free plug right there. So <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking with young man Michael Flyer, who is the baseball player. And the first thing I want to ask you is what inspired you to pick up the ball and bat?
2: Oh wow. Um I mean, truthfully, what inspired me and have to say is uh, have to say is my dad. You know, my dad played ball when he was younger. And uh, uh, truthfully, I think he let it come naturally to me. I think, you know, he he put me in T-ball or my parents put me in T-ball, so to say. And, uh, you know, I guess they could see my little love for the game. and just caught on ever since then.
0: Absolutely. So I know as growing up as, as a child, you probably played multiple positions until you got sold in on one position. What's the you know, best position on the field that you actually like to play? Um,
2: truthfully, I mean, I love being in center field. and That's my home. I feel, I feel the most confident. You know, I can see everything. I have the best view of, you know, the swings, what's going on in the infield. But um, when I was younger, I played everything, you know. I was a pitcher when I was younger. I was a catcher. I played third a couple times, first base. Um, as I got older, though, I started to I started to zone in on uh, outfield and middle infield, which is what I still currently play.
0: Okay, so in your bio, you went to a school in um, Illinois, Cumberland High School. Tell oh, me a little sir. bit about your high school playing days and the type of competition that you faced. So
2: where I'm, where I come from, and you know, what I was raised in is, you know, very different
0: than you know I would say what
2: what most, uh, what most college athletes have went through. I went to a very small Royal 1A high school. Um, you know, I graduated with 69 kids. There was probably, there was probably 20 kids on my baseball team. Um, I was, in fact, the only starter in my class that played. So, I mean, <clears throat> I was just very different. Like, it was, it was like more or less sandlot ball. Like, <laughs> we didn't have the best fields, you know, we didn't have we didn't have the best facilities, nothing like that. I mean, we were really out there just playing for the love of the game. And you know, that's something I still hold close to me now. And that's what my driving force is to play. You know, I come from I don't like to say I come from nothing, but you know, I don't I don't come from, you know, the most luxurious
0: places. Okay. So you you mentioned something there. You say you play for the love of the game. And I'm gonna get back to your earlier playing days, but you, you kind of struck a chord right there. You play for the love of the game. So when you're watching a Major League Baseball game, what is your perception when you're watching these games, knowing the salaries of of some of these players, and especially in Major League Baseball, all the professional sports? Major League Baseball doesn't have a salary cap. So by you being one of the exceptions, playing for the love of the game, how do you view Major League Baseball? Um, I kind of, I kind of catch on to little things like, uh,
2: you know, guys, guys running out, fly balls, you know, hustling down, down and back to the baselines, you know, the way they carry themselves, you know, if they show, show a little bit too much of emotion, I mean, guys are getting paid, you know, millions and millions of dollars just to, just to strike out, you know, (laughs) if you look at, you look at some of those salaries, like Bryce Harper, he's got a $350 million contract he's on, and I don't even know if it's, I don't even know if it's that, it might be more, but. You know, you're getting, paid to, you're getting paid to strike out or take pitches like, you know, everyone, everyone plays for you know their own reason. But you can you can really tell the guys that play because they love the game of baseball and you can see it on TV. You know, you can see them running it out. You can see the passion, and the drive they have for it. And that's what I that's what I catch on to. I don't like I'm not really a huge fan of, you know, those big league guys popping out and, you know, trotting the first base or jogging the first on the ground. That's that's not the way I like to play.
0: And that was one of the things that really caught the ire of baseball fans. Tony La Russa. And he said to preserve guys from being injured, if you know that you're not going to beat the throw to first base, just jog it out and don't go all out. And that turns some people wrong. I mean, because I know you, you play for the love of the game. So even if you think that you're not going to make it, chances are run down that first base line. You're going to give it your all until the umpire gives the right decision, whether you're out or whether you're safe. Correct?
2: Oh, absolutely. And you know, I understand that to an extent. You know, if you hit it, you hit a ground ball right back to the pitcher, and he has it in his hand before you can even get out of the box. Like, I get that, but you know, it's I've I had high school coaches, and uh, I'll give him a shout out here, Mark Jackley. You know, he instilled in me something very, very early when he started coaching me is, you know. To run that ball out, hustle, you know, show that you want to play, show that, you know, you're you're trying to get down that line. Because in the end, you know, you hit a ground ball to the left side or right side, you know, and you're hustling down the line, the infielders see that, right? And, you know, they're gonna have to hustle their their mechanics, hustle their footwork, and you know, that gives a chance of making a bad throw. And on top of that, as a high school player or a college player trying to get recruited, to go to the next level, you never know who's watching. And you know, there's people, there's people timing you know on stopwatches you're you're timing out or from home to first like <clears throat> you know absolutely. that's just that's just a big thing for me and i i tell all my teammates that no matter where i am you know you know i don't really care if it's a fly ball to the outfield or if it's a you know roll over to the left side of the field i want to see you hustle down the line i want to see you that you're giving me 100% cuz i'm out here giving my 100% you know that's
0: what i expect from the rest of my guys out here too And one key aspect, I've heard coaches say this, like if they have a star player on their team, the coaches say, I have to be able to coach you up because if I can coach you up, you being the star player and senior, then that will resonate down to the younger players because then they'll say, okay, he's the star player. The coach is coaching him, so it it rubs off eventually. Am I correct? It's it's contagious. Energy is contagious on the baseball field, you know? If one
2: guy has their head down, or one guy's you know getting down on themselves, you know it's contagious. That falls into the next guy, and then
0: you know so on and so on. Absolutely. So we transitioned from, as you said, basically said it was a tiny little school in Illinois, and you move on to your college playing days at Spoon College. What's that experience like? Because I know there's a transition between high school and college and give me a briefing on spoon river college because i haven't heard of that school before where are they located at right so spoon river college is located
2: in uh i believe northwest illinois it's about it's about two and a half hours south of uh chicago and it's uh, it's very close to western illinois if you ever heard of that but um yeah spoon river is a it's a little bit of a new organization they were uh, they're not a very big well-known sports school they're uh they're a big Votech school, you know diesel mechanic kind of school, but uh, they've just they've recently in the past past decade or so have uh, opened back up to their sports. And Spoon is also another like small rural area too, so um you know it's not a very populated area. I think the town only has like fifteen thousand, but you know for me going into that that was that was a step up, you know in the in the culture and you know uh, college life for me because. You know, there's more people there not you know it's still a small school but it was bigger than what I've come from and it's you know it was still a little bit of a transition period I had to had to get used to being around people I didn't know you know people from different cultures different ethnicities and uh that was just a, I mean it wasn't a, a hard task for me but it was different
0: all right so now we don't went from Cumberland high school spoon River College playing park city rangers which is basically that leads into the nbc world series
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so from tiny spots in illinois to come to park city how were you noticed by them you said you said how did i notice? how 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 were you noticed by them how they how they notice you
2: so i was contacted by uh by uh the the Midwest Moves, which is another team in the conference. And uh, me and my, me and my, uh, Logan at the time, you mentioned while, right, uh, we were both contacted by the league. Um, I believe they, with videos and on I uh, that's a big, well, nowadays, <laughs> I believe they, they scrolled upon my, and you know, everyone in the league, and, Originally I was supposed to play for the Moose, but the, uh a rock like many people time like me and got put over in Park City. And you know, this is really a blessing got you know
0: just okay. the really awesome people here. Okay, you you one, one moment oh, I hate to interrupt, you're kinda of cutting in and out there. Are you in, a, like, a dead spot right there? Mm-hmm. Or is that a Bluetooth that's kind of going in and out? Yeah, it could be. Let me take a car speaker here. Oh, okay. Can you hear me a little better now? Yeah, there we go, because it was kind of cutting in and out. I want to make sure we get everything so we can kind of go back to the beginning how you got noticed by the Park City Rangers. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a I have a, a little highlight
2: account on Twitter where I post all my, all my baseball stuff. And I believe uh, our uh, our league director, Sheldon, he just strolled upon me there and uh, found me and my teammate from college and, you know, just gave us a shout. Said, hey, you know, we think you're a talented player. We want want you to come play in the league. And, you know, I'm, I'm never a person to say no to, you know, come and compete. So I just packed up my bags. I was home for like two weeks. Came to my parents about it, and I was like, you know, i been <clears throat> still wanting to play right now. You know, I could take the summer off to work, but I'm getting a little older now, and uh, it's really become, you know, vital to, you know, put some hard work and dedication into your craft. And I knew there's still more place for work in my game, so I just took it upon myself and went. And Like I said, I think it was a blessing in disguise because, like I said earlier, I was supposed to play for the Midwest Moves, but they had a little roster mishap, and we got transferred over to the Park City. And I've met some really, really amazing people here.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, my coach is a really fun character. I actually live with him, um, and I have teammates from everywhere. You know, I'm learning. I'm learning a little bit of Spanish. You know, I got I got teammates from the Dominican. Uh, I got I got four or five teammates from Puerto Rico, Venezuela. Uh, a couple of kids from Australia, from Panama, Cuba. I mean, I've met some just really cool kids. You know, and it's just, it's crazy to see everyone's, you know, love for the game from around the world come on to one team. And I love the energy. I love the passion that my guys have. And, you know, it just, it gets a lot of fun to play behind the guys I'm with.
0: Now, the one thing I know about this time of year, especially the Kansas Summer League and the teams, how they're constructed, you may have guys on the team that play for rival colleges. And then at the same time, you may have guys on one team versus the other team that actually played with each other at the same college, but now they are opponents. Mm -hmm. Is there any amount of trash talking and good fun that's going on between those? Oh, yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, that's, to me, I view that as part of the game, you know, people are going to play with their heart. I play with my heart every single time I go out there, you know, and people, a a lot of coaches like to say, you know, don't show any emotion, you know, be a straight face, but, you know, I'm. I'm. Truthfully, I'm not that type of player. If I if I see something I don't like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell somebody about it. You know, I'm gonna let them know. And you know, there's definitely there's definitely guys playing with their hearts out here. Like, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I think <laughs> I think we've cleared the benches, you know, three or four times this season. You know, we haven't gotten any fights. Like, no one's been no one's been like that because you know that's not really something people like to put as the part of the game. But yeah, absolutely. There's there's trash talking going around. You know, people are trying to in your head, you know, that's just part of the game.
0: Part of the game. And what's the one thing that you learned from playing in this particular setting as opposed to playing, say, in your high school days or your college days? Because the teams are constructed differently. You got people from all types of uh, backgrounds. You got coaches that you've never played for before. And you are doing a lot of things crammed up in a short amount of time. What's one of the things that you take from the experience of playing the Kansas Summer League Baseball?
2: All right, that's a good question. I actually uh, just had a conversation with a couple of my teammates the other night about this when we were at the facility. Um, so there's really like three big things that I put picked up on. You know, one 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 of the biggest one is is energy. You know, energy is like everything. You know, you can't come into the ballpark with your head down, knowing you're going to lose something like that. You, know, you gotta you gotta come in every day with that with that dog mentality, that mindset that you want to win. You know, you just have to have that if you if you want to you know, come out victorious in the day. Um, the second one, the second one I have to say is uh, chemistry. You know, I've always kind of been a big person of you know knowing the people on your team and you know making having good relationships with them. And you know, the biggest thing about chemistry with that is when I go out in the field, like I want to I want to know what's going to happen. I want to I want to expect you know my guys to do well, my guys to fight for me, you know, my guys to throw strikes. You know, that type of thing. And uh, thirdly, I'd have to say communication. This is something that I've uh, kind of realized as you get older and as you get into the bigger stages of baseball, you know, you're going to run into people that, you know, don't speak any English. And, um, you know, as an outfielder, I have, you know, on the regular day, I'll have my left fielder that's Australian. No, I'm sorry, my left fielder that's, uh, uh, what, he's Puerto Rican. And then my right fielder is Dominican. So and I don't know how much you know about Puerto, the differences between uh Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico but there's a little bit of a, a language difference you know they don't speak the same type of Spanish. Okay. So if I if there's a fly ball to my to my left fielder you know I have to be I have to be saying some type of thing in Spanish to him I have to say his name say name. like I'd be like Jesus ball 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 and then on the on the other side of it my uh, my Puerto Rican outfielder he doesn't speak any English at all he doesn't doesn't comprehend a lot of English so for the games, we have to be. We have to be I got to get my my other teammate Jose, which is bilingual. speak speaks both. I got to be talking to him, explaining to him what we need to be doing, who we're going to shift on. You know, it's just it's just a big thing. Like you got to be able to talk, like, you know, being able to, you know, converse with your left fielder that doesn't speak any English is like
1: so much bigger
2: than what you realize it is. You know, playing in high school college where everyone speaks English. You know? All right,
0: Well, yeah, <clears throat> I want to say I thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you're still putting in a lot of work, and uh, we will definitely do this again. As a matter of fact, this was just such a good interview. I'm going to put the ball in your court. Anytime you want to come aboard the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, all you have to do is just call me or hit me with a message and say, what's your time schedule looking like? And I will make the time. So I want to thank you once again. Uh, We want to thank Michael Flyer, Park City Ranger. Yes, we're claiming him now as a Park City Ranger in the state of Kansas for being on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast.
2: Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And I want to thank you again for having me. You know, this is a great opportunity for me to tell my story. My family and friends are going to
0: love this. Absolutely. I just
2: want to thank you again. This is awesome
0: and thank you once again for being on board we will get back with you again once again michael flyer park city ranger all right i will be back well, actually i just wrapped up the last segment of my podcast with a great guest baseball player playing kansas summer league baseball with the park city rangers and you could just deem that segment the player spotlight that's right player spotlight the inaugural player spotlight see how those things happen like that anyway i have enjoyed myself hope you have enjoyed riding along on the train we will be back again sometime next week we have a lot going on but trust me we will be back with you and as i always say Take care of yourself and each other. It is the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith, saying, Enjoy the weekend. Be blessed.